The Democrats, of course, took over Congress in the 2006 midterm. The president called it a thumping. Well, by January, because I worked for the person they hated most in this world, Karl Rove, I wound up uh, being subpoenaed by the Senate Judiciary Committee. I wound up- I'm Anita Kumar, and this is part two of Beyond the Bubble's special series about the Republican Party. And that's Scott Jennings, a Republican strategist who is close to the Trump White House. He served as political director for George W. Bush in 2006, when Democrats took control of both chambers of Congress with a Republican president in the White House. Now, Chairman Leahy, Senator Specter, other members of the Senate Judiciary Committee, my name is Scott Jennings. I am accompanied by my personal attorney, Mark Pauletta of Dickstein Shapiro and Emmett Flood. In the wake of those midterms, Democrats unleashed a flood of investigations. It largely overtook the final two years of Bush's presidency. One of the scariest things some of these White House staffers are going to hear is when the White House counsel comes down the hallway and says, we don't represent you. We represent the office of the president. You have to get your own lawyer. It's going to be a scary moment. Here in 2018, Democratic leaders, including Nancy Pelosi, have said the same thing is in store for President Trump. You will see um, us use every arrow in our quiver to find the truth about uh, what's happening with public policy, what they're doing to the environment. And as we see this as a culture of corruption, cronyism and incompetence. In January, the House will get the power to subpoena documents and force administration officials to testify. The Trump administration could face dozens of investigations in the next two years, including why federal agencies are spending taxpayer money at Trump resorts, the response to Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico, and sexual assault allegations against Trump's newest Supreme Court Justice, Brett Kavanaugh. It's not just your time. You know, if you're wrapped up in one of these investigations, it weighs on you. You're stressed, you have high anxiety, and you're not gonna be thinking as fully about your government job uh, when you know tomorrow morning you gotta go sit for some interview in some congressional committee. Scott joined us in the studio to talk about what presidential aides face when the opposition party takes control of Congress, the obstacles to governing in chaos, and how the Democrats could take things too far. Democrats have overreached on several issues. Now you give them a little bit of power, and the capacity for them to overreach goes up even more. So this is the Republicans' way forward, according to a former presidential aide who's been investigated by Congress. Washington turned upside down. The Democrats in, Rumsfeld out. Tonight on Washington Week. And the most important thing that a Congress can do is begin to hold the hearings and ask the questions that our constituents are asking and finally demand the answers that have been missing. My name is Scott Jennings. As I sit here today, uh, I find myself at the age of 29 caught in the middle of a constitutional struggle between two branches of government, quite literally between, as Senator Specter said, a rock and a hard place. On the one hand, Let's see, I turned 30 in October of 2007, and I went to work in the Bush White House uh, in February of 2005. So I was in my late 20s, became special assistant to the president in the Office of Political Affairs. And the Democrats, of course, took over Congress, and I wound up having to go talk to the House Oversight Committee. I had to talk to the Office of Special Counsel. I had to talk to a special prosecutor that had been appointed. Uh, it, I had to talk to the inspector general at the Department of Justice. It was a huge amount of back and forth for me personally. On the one hand, I am appearing before this committee pursuant to a subpoena that compels me to answer questions concerning the dismissal and replacement of U.S. attorneys. On the other hand, I have received a letter from the White House counsel asserting the president's claim of executive privilege over the very subject matter of the committee's subpoena. 
I did have to hire an outside lawyer, and I hope people understand what that means uh, as a psychological and financial burden. Did you think they would pay for it? Or represent you at first? Well, I didn't know. It had never crossed my mind. I mean, I you know I hadn't thought much about uh, what would happen if I had to you know go testify before Congress. It just it's not something that had ever entered my mind. Not one person. When I went to work there in 2005, nobody said. Now listen, in a couple of years when they take over, they may subpoena you, and then and then I mean nobody goes through these scenarios with you. And you know I this is my first job in the White House in Washington. I didn't have experience with it, so it had never crossed my mind. It was quite shocking, frankly, uh, that it all happened the way it happened. And it was shocking for not just me, but for a lot of people. I whine about it a lot still to this day, but it happened to a lot of people. And it was shocking for all of us because, uh, in my opinion, most everything they were doing was purely partisan political shenanigans. And nobody did anything wrong. The entire U.S. attorney matter uh, was closed. Nobody faced charges. Nobody was judged to have done anything wrong. I mean, it was a it was a you know what the president would call a witch hunt. And uh, I remember calling it that to myself uh, way back then. I guess it's a good thing I didn't have a Twitter account uh, back did in the, President in the Bush arts. call it a witch hunt. <laughs> Well, you know, President Bush and uh, his administration signed off on the uh, appointment of a special prosecutor to look into it. Nora Danahy of Connecticut, I met with her um, and uh, along with a bunch of armed FBI agents. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, she ultimately closed the case and didn't uh, said uh, nobody is going to face any charges here. So, yeah, at the end of a several years long fiasco where you feel like you're sitting there with a you know piano hanging by a wire over your head every day and you find out, the prosecutor uh, they've uh, appointed to look into it says, well, nothing happened here. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's easy to conclude if you're me uh, who thought it was a witch hunt the whole time that, in fact, it was a witch hunt. So so if you're 20 something years old on a government salary, how did you afford the attorney? Do you remember how much it cost total? Yeah, I, I do remember how much do you, it cost. Do you want to uh, share that with us? No. Uh, but, but how did you afford it? Well, um, I, so when all this started, it was early on in, in 07. I ended up leaving the government in October of 2007. So I had been there for two years already. I went into my third year and I finally left in October of 07. And there, you raise the, the cost issue and it's important for people who work for the White House, you cannot accept, uh, at least this was the, the advice and counsel we got at the time, you cannot accept pro bono legal help because that would be taking a gift. You can't take gifts from people. So if a lawyer calls up and says, hey, I'm a Republican and I wanna represent you, you have to pay them uh, fair market value for that because uh, there are these gift rules that prohibit White House and government staffers from taking things of value, which are in place for good reason. But in this particular case, it prohibited people like me from getting Is that why you legal left? Help. Uh, well, I, I, I'd already overstayed the amount of time I thought I was going to be there. Carl left, uh, and I was ready to go home to Kentucky and uh, start my family. So there, there was a number of good reasons to leave, and, and my frustration with the uh, investigatory environment was part of it. So you were able to have someone work pro bono, or someone might represent you that you didn't have to pay? Yes. Once you're no longer on the government payroll, you can do whatever you want. But while you're there, uh, so you know, let's say that uh, somebody intends to want to work you know, in their government job for the next couple of years, but they're at the same time having to get one of these lawyers. They're going to have to pay that lawyer. Now, I know they've tried to set up a legal defense fund, and there's some possibility of that. But I can tell you, uh, given the amount of legal bills that I racked up uh, in my time, and I had excellent lawyers, by the way, and they did a great job, it'll be uh, shocking for people uh, just how much legal help they need. The White House counsel's letter, which I have attached to my written testimony, directs me not to testify or produce documents concerning White House consideration 
deliberations or communications, whether internal or external, relating to the possible dismissal or appointment of United States attorneys. Please understand, Senators, that I have the utmost respect for this committee, and a contempt citation is not something that I take lightly. Were you embarrassed? Was there some silly email exchange you had that became public that was sort of... Oh, we all did. I mean, we, we used to sit around the office trading stories about our lawyers having called us to say, well, here's an email that's going to be embarrassing or, well, they've what just... What does it say? I mean, I remember one, there was some people joking about having appointed a dog you know, to be U.S. attorney in a certain jurisdiction. And, and because it had the word U.S. attorney, and it was it was a joke. It, we were, you know, the people were joking about someone having, you know, uh, how much they loved their dog. I mean, it was a it was an interpersonal joke between two people. But because it had one of the key words in it, that email got produced in the document discovery. And so, oh, yeah, I mean, I will tell you one thing about my life that has changed since then. I rarely, if ever, send uh, long emails anymore. I don't joke around. I, I, I'm very, even to this day, and this was back in the, in the early 2000s, and you know, it's now 2018, I, I am very, very guarded about saying things in email that could even possibly be taken out of context later. Or if you weren't in the moment, you don't know the, the nature of the joke or whatever, because you know, some a partisan investigator who's out to get you can turn, you know, nothing into something. Did anyone ever accuse you personally of doing anything wrong or were you a witness in all of these investigations? It's just that you happened to be in the room or happened to be on the email? Yeah, I was, uh, as I understand it uh, from, you know, my recollection of it, I was a witness to everything that I was involved in. Now, I mean, that, that doesn't mean you're off the hook because when you go and meet with these investigators, you have to tell the truth. And if they decide you're not telling the truth, then all of a sudden you go from witness to, hey, this guy's lying to us, and that's a crime. And so um, that's why you have to have these lawyers working for you uh, so you can be well prepared to go in and answer as truthfully and as fully as possible. I mean, you cannot wing it. You cannot half-ass it. You cannot, you know, well, I didn't do anything, so I'm not going to take this seriously. You have to take it all seriously because if you get asked a question and you say, here's my answer, and then they produce an email that seems to contradict what you just said, well, you know, some investigator may say, looks like to me you either uh, have a pretty bad memory or you're, or you're willfully covering something up or you're lying to us, and now you're in trouble. So your life is, is on the line, basically. Your professional life is on the line. Republicans on Capitol Hill are circulating a spreadsheet listing all of the Trump scandals Democrats might investigate if Democrats take back the House in November. Here Republicans on Capitol Hill have largely protected the Trump White House from serious investigations, but that's not unusual when the White House and Congress are controlled by the same party. Over the last few months, Republicans close to Trump have told me the White House is unprepared for what's next. The White House should have hired staff to handle the upcoming congressional inquiries, told aides to hire their own attorneys, and research the topics they know are controversial. Good evening, I'm Jeff Glor. We are going to begin here tonight with a major shakeup in Washington. Instead of preparing, I've watched Trump aides respond to a record number of staff shakeups. We are going to start here tonight with the afternoon dismissal of the Attorney General Jeff Sessions. Tweets by the president and the investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 election. So let's talk about what the White House could be doing or could have done to get ready. Hiring more attorneys, but not just attorneys, right? I mean, they're going to need to talk about hire people in communications, maybe legislative affairs, just more people. Yeah, more people. And, and I read the fact that I think several people who 
were on the campaign that went to the White House or the administration are now going to be leaving and going back to the campaign, which I actually think is the right thing for the president's reelection. But there's going to be some holes there. So not only are you going to be backfilling the people who kind of run your offices as you have known them for the first two years, there's going to have to be another set of staffers, lawyers, communicators, you know, Hill liaisons, that uh, a lot of their time, maybe all of their time, is going to be taken up dealing with the investigations as well. So it's almost like you have to silo it in some ways, because it would be a shame if the president's administration were ground to a halt. But I think that's what Democrats want. You know, one way to basically cease progress in an administration is to tie it up with investigations, essentially make Donald Trump's administration a two-year one, not four. And I'm just wondering sort of what you think the Democrats are going to want to investigate. Well, uh, I'll give you a short answer, and it is everything. I mean, they are going to use their newfound subpoena power to look into everything that has uh, enraged them about Donald Trump over the last two or four years, if you consider the campaign as well. Uh, I suspect they will try to somehow get at his tax returns. They will get at these cabinet secretaries that have been in the news that they've uh, hated so much. They will try to reach into the White House, and that in and of itself will create thorny issues about whether you can compel uh, presidential aides to show up and testify. There'll be a whole other layer of things that have to be uh, adjudicated. So I think they will not show any restraint, and we're going to see mass investigations uh, on things we know about, and also things that we have no idea about, but they've been holding and waiting for this day. You think there are things we don't know about at this point? Absolutely. Uh, Not only are there things we don't know about, but there will be things that become branches of investigations that we do know about. So as they look into subject matter A, you know, they'll come up with some emails that say, oh, we should look into subject matter B, C, and D. We didn't even know about this. That's what happens in these things. You get a a lot of spider webbing. Also, I think when the Congress, you know, formally turns over in January, you'll have people who work in these agencies who are not political appointees and are probably loyal to the Democratic Party or who at least don't like the Trump administration. They're going to be going privately to Congress and saying, look into this, look into that. We don't know about that yet. That, that this stuff sounds hasn't like happened. Donald Trump talking about the deep state. Uh, it, it, well, it, you can call it what you want, but I'm telling you. There will be a lot of people in this government who go and say, you need to investigate this or that. Now, some of it will pan out and some of it will not. And a lot of it will be baloney. A lot of it will be trumped up and overblown. Uh, But there'll be a massive amount of information that they have to sift through. And then they'll have to decide, you know, what are we going to spend our time on? Who do we subpoena? Uh, What what is going to make the best story? Because ultimately, I don't believe any of this is about real oversight. I think a lot of this is about what gives us the best weapons to go to the American people with in 2020 and defeat Donald Trump. That's what this is all about, in my opinion. And so they'll get this massive funnel of stuff, and then they're going to try to pick out the best storylines that they think tell the best political story and take it from there. So when I look at what they might investigate, I kind of put it into three categories. So tell me what you think is the most likely to come up. So I look at one thing is policy. So policy is like... They separated children from their parents at the border, that kind of thing. You think that'll come up? Absolutely. Uh, Policy decisions that have created controversy, uh, they're going to want to know how those decisions were made, who was involved, uh, was the president or his advisors listening to people outside the government, who are those people, what motivates those people. So those aren't criminal issues, I don't think, and those aren't necessarily, you know, legally problematic, but they're going to want to tell the American people the president arrived at this decision, it appears to 
to us because of some undue influence. That is what you're getting at on these policy issues. That's You named one. There have been others, but that one especially is going to come okay. up. Okay. And then the second category I sort of look is sort of, I would call them scandals. You might not call them scandals, but things that have come up that people, you know, maybe the cabinet and secretaries when they're spending, or remember when Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump said that they uh, used personal email for government business. That sounds a little familiar. Uh, that kind of thing. Things that I would call uh, scandals. Those will come up, I assume. Absolutely. Uh, cabinet secretaries that have been in the news like Tom Price. I mean, we, everybody remember Tom Price. That was a long time ago, but he was run out of town because of a spending on travel. Uh, obviously, the EPA secretary, Pruitt, uh, is one. I think Zinke is in the news uh, recently for some investigations. So, And in fact, I think they already sent Zinke a letter uh, sort of indicating that he needs to cease and desist whatever it is that he may be doing. Well, that's clearly a prelude to an investigation. I think all of these cabinet secretaries, the ones that have been in the news especially, but inside of every agency, they'll be looking for something, something to try to hang their hat on. We know about some of them, but again, I, I predict there are things that are going to come up we don't know about today. And then the third category, you touched on it. You said the tax returns. I would say sort of any things sort of personal to deal with the president. So I would also put his businesses in that category. So the big question a lot of people have asked is, is he violating the Constitution by getting a benefit or getting profit from foreign governments? Yeah, businesses, personal enrichment, decisions that have been made that have somehow benefited him or his family, his sons, the Kushners, you know. All of that stuff, all of this, you know, conspiracy theory stuff that you hear uh, out of the Democrats, I think that that will be part of it. Now, how much of that they can get at, I don't know. Uh, but that'll be another line of inquiry because I expect that that'll be a line of attack in the 2020 presidential campaign. So they're going to try to build that case in Congress and then turn it over to the presidential cycle. Is that the thing that's going to annoy him the most, the personal stuff? Well, I, hard to say because it's all going to be super annoying. When your people, the people that you've appointed to things are getting subpoenaed, when your people are being drugged in front of these congressional committees, when everybody you know is having to hire lawyer or lawyers, it's really annoying and it's troubling and you constantly worry about you know what they're being asked and what they're being forced to say. It's going to take up a huge amount of time inside the White House, the White House Counsel's Office, and they're going to have to uh, adjudicate a lot of these issues vis a vis congressional oversight, and it's going to take up the president's time. So, all of these things that reach into his personal life, into his aides' life, into his administration, I, I think they have someone working there who knows full well how this goes, and that's Emmett Flood. Flood was George W. Bush's lead lawyer in responding to congressional investigations. I am accompanied by my personal attorney, Mark Pauletta of Dickstein Shapiro and Emmett Flood, who is special counsel to the president. Emmett is representing me in my official capacity. That gives him crucial experience and means he could quietly become one of the most important people in Washington. Welcome back. I'm Eamon Javers at the White House, where the officials here are now confirming the retirement decision of Ty Cobb, the president's attorney here working in the White House. The White House and the president personally are likely to hire Emmett Flood, a longtime veteran. Republicans told me they wanted Trump to pick Flood as White House counsel, but Trump didn't do that. Instead, Flood will only advise the president on the Russia inquiry. 
But I'm just telling you, Emmett Flood, he was in our council's office and he was sort of principally dealing with me. In fact, if you, when Emmett Flood, keep, when he gets mentioned for stuff and when he got hired, there's only one picture of Emmett Flood and it's of him talking to me at the witness table the day I was uh, subpoenaed by the Senate Judiciary Committee. Now, that was about 75 pounds ago for me. So you can imagine I hate this like photo being out there, but the only picture they ever use of Emmett is of him talking to me. So he was in our council's office. He knows exactly how all these investigations investigations go. He knows how it works. He knows the tricks. So my hope is that Emmett is painting a picture for everybody in there of just what can happen, how these things can cascade and really turn into headaches for people. Did you think Emmett Flood should have been named the White House counsel? Oh, I I don't know. I think the president needs a White House counsel that he trusts and is comfortable with. I mean, that is a very personal job to the president, very personal choice. So I wouldn't want to opine on who the right person is. I can just tell you, I think Emmett Flood being in that building is going to be an invaluable resource given his experience with what Bush dealt with after the 06 midterm. Emmett, to me, I know he's dealing with the Russia stuff, but Emmett, to me, is going to be an absolute font of information for them. And and it's the same playbook. You know, it's the same playbook. They're going to look and look and look. And and a lot of it's going to be, you know, I think very partisan in nature. And you know, somebody's going to need to say in these meetings, I've seen this before. Here's what they're going to do. That kind of experience would have, you know, helped a lot of people, you know, I'm sure tremendously back when we were going through it. It's going to feel paralyzing. It's going to feel like, hey, everything's ground to a halt and this is all we're dealing with. Well, that's I was going to ask you, what do you think is going to be accomplished in the second two years? So on Capitol Hill, will anything get accomplished? Well, I think that from a legislative perspective, very little because Republicans uh, maintained control of the Senate. They're going to continue to do judges at a rapid pace. This is obviously Mitch McConnell's great uh, legacy and his great interest. So on the personnel side, they can really get in gear and do judges and other, and other appointments. Big legislative projects, though, I think the, the toxic relationship between the White House and the House Democrats I think it's going to make bipartisan cooperation very difficult because it's going to feel like to the White House that the Democrats are not operating in good faith because of the investigation. They didn't have any he didn't have any much cooperation with Democrats in the first two years. So what difference? Well, that's I mean, sometimes, but they did do things like I'll give you an example, the big opioid package that passed and was signed into law in October. Massive bipartisan cooperation signed into law by uh, President Trump. Kellyanne Conway was kind of the opioid czar that helped shepherd it inside the administration. You had mass buy-in from both parties. That was a really good moment for Trump. It was a good moment for both parties. It was a good moment for legislating. I'm worried we're not going to have moments like that the next two years because this uh, relationship's all going to break down over investigations. So will President Trump do what the other, I'm sure President Bush did and President Obama, turn to executive power to get what he wants? I think that he shouldn't shy away from it uh, as long as it's within the bounds of uh, what he can do. I don't want to see President Trump ultimately get accused of what we used to accuse President Obama of doing, which is essentially disregarding the Congress and disregarding the Constitution by just issuing uh, what we thought were illegal or unlawful or unconstitutional executive orders. I don't want to see President Trump fall into that trap uh, of, of having that same kind of criticism leveled at him. Uh, I'd like him to continue to try to to get some things done up on the Hill. Unfortunately, I don't think the Democrats are going to want that to happen. I mean, several of their members are going to be running for president, and they're not going to want to, you know, make it look like Donald Trump's able to bring everybody together in Washington. It's not in their best political interest. So the best thing he can do is staff this government, get judges appointed, 
keep the government functioning as best he can, but try to position himself in such a way that it makes it look like he is the one trying to make things work, and it's the Democrats who are overreaching politically, and it's their fault that, say, government is grinding to a halt. So the president needs to be smart about this and really pin that overreach on them as he goes into his own reelection campaign. I don't think we hear as much about investigations. The thing that we always hear about is impeachment, right? Oh, are Democrats going to impeach? So, I mean, are they going to are they going to go there, or do you think it's all about the investigations? Well, I think I have predicted for months and months and months they're going to impeach the president, and and it's largely based on two things. In all the polling uh, I've seen in my job as a CNN analyst, we take polls. I think back in September uh, and over the summer, we polled in, and near 80% of Democrats said they wanted the president impeached. There's a petition. Six million people have signed a petition. I'm guessing they're all liberal Democrats who want to impeach the president. Now, if you're the new Democratic speaker, you cannot ignore the grassroots of your party. You cannot ignore these big donors who are screaming for Trump's head on a platter. I mean, they're going to have all these major core constituency groups inside of their party demanding it, not the least of which are these new members, these new young members of Congress who ran on holding Donald Trump accountable. I think the old guard of the Democrats understands that impeaching him would probably be taking them down a road that will inure to Trump's benefit because it'll look like an overreach. But these new members uh, that are bloodthirsty for this president, I don't think they're going to allow it. So I, I still say impeachment is most assuredly on the table. So you think they'll do both, investigate and impeach? Absolutely. I mean, th- th- these things are not mutually exclusive. I mean, on day one, if you've ever been within 100 feet of Scott Pruitt, get ready for your subpoena. But that has nothing to do with whether they can wrangle enough support inside their conference to go down the road of impeachment based on, you know, personal enrichment or, uh, you know, obstruction, whatever, you know, whatever they trump up in their impeachment articles, which, by the way, have already been filed. These are not mutually exclusive. So I, I think they're going to. Yes. I mean, the world is their oyster. When you have a gavel, the world is your oyster. And it doesn't matter if the Senate would go along with it. So the House would just do it. Doesn't matter whether the Senate would. Yeah, this isn't about good government. I mean, how often is it? that people who run political parties ignore virtually everybody who's in their party. I'll give you an example. Republicans wanted to cut taxes. Nearly every Republican I knew wanted to cut taxes. So when we took over, what did we do? We cut taxes. Nearly every Democrat wants to impeach the president. So if you're running the party, what are you going to say? No? Of course they're not going to say no. So I think this big this is a big fight coming inside their conference because I think some of them understand It would be a mistake to do it, but that's not going to matter to the most bloodthirsty among them. President Trump has never held office. He's never served in an administration. He's never even lived here in Washington. Do you think he has any idea what's coming? Well, I think his experience with the Russia investigation uh, tells him, it should inform him just how rapidly things can spiral out of control. Uh, I know he's frustrated with the way the Russia investigation started and the way it is just spiderwebbed into all kinds of issues and people. But... That same thing can happen on any of these other investigations. And so I think the experience of having gone through you know, the Russia thing should inform them that any investigation into anything can immediately balloon into, into 10 other things. And none of it's good. And a lot of it's going to feel very intrusive and a lot of it's going to feel ridiculous. But because they're in charge, you know, they can do whatever they want. So if there's a silver lining to the Russia investigation experience, it would be that you know, they now have a full understanding of just how rough this town can be when it comes to investigations. 
And as Republicans weather that storm on Capitol Hill, they'll also have to contend with the drama that always seems to permeate the Trump White House. I happened to be fired just before the, you know, fake Russia collusion narrative started. And I was pushed out of the campaign by a guy who's now in a penitentiary and will probably be there for the rest of his life, Paul Manafort. He's a bad guy. On part three of The Republicans' Way Forward, we'll look at Donald Trump's constant staff shakeups as a candidate and now as president, who Trump considers his embedded enemies, and what the president is really like as a boss. Boy, difficult, demanding. Someone who not only outworked his opponent in the general election, but his 17 opponents in the primary, and he outworked his staff. Thanks very much to Scott Jennings for joining me here. And thanks to Davin Coburn for producing this special episode of Beyond the Bubble. Leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. I'm Anita Kumar, and you can reach me anytime at akumar at mcclatchydc.com. That's A-K-U-M-A-R at mcclatchydc.com. We'll be back tomorrow.